This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Lay the foundation of obedience last week that there are two things that we are to be <clears throat> careful of when we obey God. One, obedience requires for us to be bold, but it also requires us to be careful to obey everything God has instructed us. But today I want to look at a a story that is very interesting in the Bible because, you know, in the book of Chronicles, and it's so natural for us all to desire blessing. Is there anyone here that does not desire blessing? Don't raise your hand. Are there people here that desire blessing? All of us desire blessing. Well, there's an interesting story in the Bible, and it's the story of Jabez. I'm sure you all know that story. And right in the middle of this, in, in, in the book of Chronicles, you know, there's four chapters, four or five chapters of genealogy. So-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so. How many of you, just be honest with me, during the daily Bible reading, just sometimes skip over that? Well, if you skip over that, there's something that you'll miss, because... Right in chapter 4, I mean, it's incredible. It, it goes so-and-so, begot so-and-so, so-and-so, begot so-and-so, so-and-so, begot so Then from nowhere, this appears. If you could put that, that, that appears. From nowhere, in the middle of so-and-so, begot so-and-so, you then hear Jabez. And it's not even talking about the birth of Jabez. It just says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying... I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted him his request. Straight after that, it goes back to so-and-so, begot so-and-so, so-and-so, begot so And I'm thinking, man, what was so important about this man that God would see it fit to implant it in the middle of nowhere to highlight what this man did. What was so important about Jabez' prayer that it stands out on its own, the one verse, unique. It says nothing more about Jabez' life before or after that. It just says God granted him what he asked for. How many of us would like prayers where God grants us what we ask for? Well, Jabez has a pattern. He asks for something huge. He asked God for, he tapped into something that provoked God to move on his behalf. Well, firstly, if you think of the pattern, what language was Jabez speaking? The Bible says that Jabez' mother had named him Jabez meaning pain. Or the literal translation in the Hebrew is one who brings pain or causes pain. Imagine Jabez in school. And this happens a lot in Zimbabwe. Some of the names that are there. Hey, causes pain. Are you bringing the pain today? Every time someone called his name, they professed pain. 
And back then, names were so significant because the name a person was given was prophecy of their destiny. The name one was given prophesied their end or prophesied the life they would live. That's why God changed Jacob's name from Grabber to Israel. Because he was fulfilling Grabber. Change Abraham's name from Abraham to Abraham, which is father of many nations. Solomon's name meant peace. And he was the only king to get to the throne without war and rule in peacetime. So names were significant. And taking away someone's name was almost viewed as killing them. But Jabez cries out to God and says, man, these circumstances, these things... That man has called me. I don't want to live with anymore. There's a language that Jabez spoke which provoked God. And that language, I can see Jabez, you know, the, 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 the kids at school laughed at him. Then he grew up and he probably got a job and the guys at work laughed at him. Then he wanted to meet a wife. And when you went to where the girls were at the well, the girls laughed at him. But Jabez asked God for something extraordinary. And God hears him. Because years earlier, Jabez had heard his fathers tell him that we are Israel. God made a covenant with our forefathers. He made a covenant with Abraham. That's why he says he cried out to the God of Israel and said, bless me. And what was that covenant that was made? Listen to the covenant in Genesis 12. Dr. McCorney shared with us that there's a time where, but I prayed. This was Jabez, but I prayed. Because his name prophesied pain. He said, I cannot live with these circumstances. But I prayed. What did he pray? He called on the God of covenant. In Genesis 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to a land which I'll show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. And so shall you shall be a blessing. And you bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families on earth will be blessed. So Jabez says, oh, yes, this is what the circumstances, this is what man's called me. But I've heard of a God, I've heard of a God of Israel who covenanted with my forefathers. And he said, I'll, to my forefather, he said, I'll bless you and make your name great. And he said, God, if it were all at all possible, I want to align myself with that promise. I want to align myself with that covenant. I want to align. And if it means changing your name will kill me, I would rather stand on you changing my name. Because there's a promise I'm tapping into. Not what man has dished out to me but what you covenanted with me. I'm crying out to the God of Israel. Oh, would you bless me indeed. Why? Because you spoke it to my forefathers. 
You see, God's desire, God's desire has always been to bless us. But our disobedience gets in the way. Genesis 1 verses 28 to 29 says this. God blessed them after he made man. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Listen to this. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So right from the beginning, God blessed man. And it is not wrong for us to ask for God's blessing. The mistake we make sometimes is we ask for God's blessing on our terms. Notice Jabez' prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. He didn't say bless me with a car, bless me with a house, bless me with a wife. He said he left it all up to God as to how the blessing would come, when it would come, where it would come, what nature it would be. We limit God sometimes by asking amiss or asking for less than you would actually want to give us. So Jabez' prayer was a prayer of faith, trusting, putting all his trust into God and saying, God, you are the author of my blessing. Every good and perfect gift comes from me. The plans and the thoughts you have for me are good. Right in the beginning, you said, bless man. I bless you. You are the author and the perfecter of my faith. You are the author and the perfecter of my blessing. You, Lord, I trust you for my blessing. I want nothing less, nothing more than your blessing. Authored by you. Woo! What faith. You see, God blessed man. And from that verse in Genesis, the next thing he did is he put seed in his hand. He said, you're blessed. You'll have dominion on the earth. Now here's seed. God thinks in terms of seed time and harvest time. Even though God is able to bring a harvest in an instant, he doesn't violate his own law. He started with one man, Adam. Yet his promise was to have dominion over the whole earth. When man fell, his plan for redemption started with one man, Jesus Christ. Here it says, the end will only come when the kingdom is made known in all nations. God touched nations through a seed. He has a harvest mentality, but he starts with the seed. So God wants to bless you and I. But the blessing rests in the seed. As long as the earth remains seed time and harvest time, hot, cold, summer and winter will always be there. Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. As a man soweth, so shall he reap. Why? This is a kingdom principle. This is the way God operates. And the promise in Genesis 12 that God gave 
Abraham would start off with a seed. And the seed of Abraham was this. That both the recipients of God's blessing and the instruments through whom God was blessing would be passed on to others by those he's blessed. So Jabez' cry out to enlarge my territory was in line with why God would bless us. God blesses us so we may be a blessing. Enlarge my territory doesn't mean give me more real estate. It means, Lord, I'm here as your ambassador. I'm a carrier of your blessing. Extend your influence through me. That's why what we're praying for this action is no small matter. Increased influence and dominion is exactly what God created us for. We are not blessed to keep it to ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. The children of Israel made that mistake. Because when, he, when God covenanted with their forefather Abraham, he said to him, I'm blessing you to be a blessing to the, nation, to the families of the earth. But they chose to keep the blessing to themselves and no more. God wanted to touch the world, but he covenanted with one man, Abraham. He started off with a seed. But Abraham went through a journey. Because in Genesis, an interesting story or an interesting verse is given towards the principle of seed. Genesis 3.15 says this, when man had fallen and had been deceived in the garden, because here's what happened. God says to, Abraham, to, to Adam, I'll give you dominion over the earth. Fill the earth, subdue it. But he says, listen, because I don't violate my own word, I put things in seed form even in you. In the garden, there's a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of the fruit of the tree of life, you live eternally. The seed that brings, brings eternity. But the seed from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat it. Because the seed of that is the seed of disobedience which leads unto death. So even in the garden, there was a war of seed. And in Genesis 3, he says this. He says, I'll put, says to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. The real battle is for our seed. <laughs> That's why when it's time to give, you go quiet. Or we go quiet. Because there's a warfare. Why? God's promise and blessing is contained in the seed. And sometimes we ask God amiss. We ask God, we tempt Christ, the Bible says, by asking God to do what he will not and cannot do. Violate his own principle. We ask God for the harvest without the seed. It's impossible. So listen to this. 
Abraham gets this wonderful promise. That through his seed, God would bless and fill the earth. Abraham would start with being responsible for that seed. But here's where the battle began. You see, Abraham's blessings rested in the seed. His blessing was to become a great nation, to have a great name or reputation, to possess the land which God had given him and his descendants. Abraham's blessing required an offspring. And yeah, you'd think that God would uh, give Abraham 37 children. He gave him one. He says the promise is through the one child, through the one seed, Isaac. Unless this seed falls into the ground, it remaineth alone, the Bible says. But here's where the battles began for Abraham, because then he had the responsibility for the seed that God had given him. First off, as he goes into his promised land, a drought hits. And yeah, because he's on a journey, he carries off his wife and goes to Egypt. And he says, man... The people in Egypt will kill me because my wife is so beautiful. I kind of understand that. I have a beautiful one myself. (laughs) So let's pretend that we're brother and sister. Not only that, Abraham, with one that would carry his seed, gives Sarah to another man. But don't we do that when we're afraid with our seed? When we are afraid of lack, and God says, this is your seed of destiny, we misuse it and use it for something else. We use it for our own security. We use it to protect myself instead of securing the promise that God's given. It's no different. We all do that. But God intervenes. Because now this seed would have been corrupted. Comes through for him, has him leave Egypt with wealth and Hagar. The story carries on. It doesn't end there. The battle for Abraham's seed carries on. Time is flying. God's made a promise. The promise doesn't seem to be coming to pass. And here's what happened. God again comes and visits Abraham and reaffirms his covenant, his blessing on Abraham through Melchizedek. But if the enemy cannot get us through deception, you'll get us through intimidation. So most times when we hold our seed, therein lies the opportunity For deception or obedience. And most times if the enemy cannot get us by deceiving us, he'll intimidate us. He'll make us fearful. Make us fearful of lack. Make us fearful of not having enough. And then we misuse our seed or put it to use where it's not supposed to. Abraham became distressed as time passed and there was no son in sight. 
And he wrongly concluded. God came and said, Abraham, oh Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm your exceeding reward. Your shield. I'm going to make you a great nation. I've blessed you. Reaffirms that promise. Abraham says, oh, Lord, how, how can this be when I don't have a son? How can there even be nations when I haven't seen? I don't have, maybe it will be through my servant that this will be fulfilled. And God says, no, it will not be through your servant. He says to him, it will be through a son that you'll have with Sarah. Abraham laughs. says, yo, I am old, she is old. How can that be? God assures him that it will take place. The Bible says at that point, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But here's what happened. Straight after that, we read, Sarah comes and says, yay, yay, this God of yours, yay, yay. We've been waiting for a long time. I've got a plan. Servant Hagar, the one we came with from Egypt. You can, she'll fall pregnant. And the thing you told me, God wants to fulfill, be fulfilled. In fact, this one has got a huge lifespan. She can give you 12, 20, 13, 14, 37 children. She's a young lady. So God's promise will be fulfilled. Abraham buys that story and creates an Ishmael. That Ishmael is an enemy to his seed even up to today. But we do that. After believing God, there was still a threat to Abraham's seed. God comes again and says, Abraham, Abraham, I said I'll do it through Sarah. And he says, oh Lord, why, why don't you just make it easy? Why don't you just do it through Ishmael? He's already here. I've been waiting a long time. He says, no, 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 no. You see, Abraham, your name means exalted father. Your very nature is you think of yourself first. Exalted father means you are the man. You need to be in control. You are the controller of your destiny. It's all about you. But today, Abraham, I'm changing your name from Abraham to Abraham, father of many nations. I'm calling you by a new name that speaks to your destiny. And that new name will require of you to give of yourself to bless others. Shift. Well, you know the story. Isaac eventually came. And when Isaac came, there was much rejoicing. Sarah could hardly believe it. Oh, you know, and, and you know, I, you know I, I play these, these stories graphically in my mind. 99 going on 100. God says by this time next year you'll have, uh, you'll have uh, uh, a child. And, you know, I'd like to reverse the roles a bit. And uh, Sarah was like 90 years old. 
and uh, we all understand what 90 can be like here. <laughs> and uh, if, if you heard that all of a sudden Sarah's going to have a child at 90, that may bring some depression. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. Isaac, a year later, is born. The child of the promise is here. It is in Abraham's hand. Now the seed, he can hold it, he can touch it, smell it, feel it. Hmm. Yes, there is a God. And yes, I am blessed of God. And yes, God has given me the promise. few years later, God says, go and sacrifice him. Whoo! Excuse me? Excuse me? And, and don't we all do that? Man, I've handled the blessing. I've, I've tasted it. I've seen it. I've, God says, it's seed. And you say, but it's in my hands. I have it. God says, no. Go give it. But you see, by this time, Abraham had transitioned from Abram, the one who thought of himself first, to Abraham, the one who thought of God first and what God was doing through him, the father of many nations. He remembered this God that was with him when he left his father's, when he left his father's land, the Chaldeans. He remembered this God that delivered him out of his own silliness when he went to Egypt. He remembered this God that spared him when he made the mistake with Hagar. He remembered this God that spared him when he made the mistake by giving Sarah a second time to Abimelech. He remembers this God that delivered him from the kings of Sodom, that met with him, that broke bread with him, that he gave a tent to. He remembered this God that had covenanted and made a promise. He said, you know what? I'll cry out just like Jabez did. Lord, you are the author of my blessing. And if you say to me, give it, it means you can resurrect it. You can give it to me again. So Abraham makes his way up the mountain. I can just see Sarah. Just, oh, what are you doing? Are you, you do, what? He went where? With who? Because she had realized there was something different about the man. The man was no longer thinking of himself. The man who once traded her, once gave her, who once gave her to another man, was now thinking of God, had now faith towards God, had now a reliance, a trust on God, that he would do anything that God asked him to. Abraham had become the man who says, God, you author my blessing. I'm not the one that puts the conditions on the blessing you do. Because I understand your love for me is unconditional. But your blessing does have conditions. And those conditions are my obedience. So Lord, if it means that I release Isaac, I will do it. Fully trusting in you. So you see, God on earth gave dominion to you and I. And when he gave dominion to you and I, to rule as kings here. He accesses the earth through you and I. And Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac gave God access to give us the actual promise 
in Jesus Christ. Because at that point where he was about to drive the knife through Isaac, God stopped him and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Now I have seen that you will fully obey my voice. Your seed, speaking of Isaac, is a seed for all nations. God says, now I will provide myself the sacrifice. Because of Abraham's willingness with his seed that was natural, to give his seed that was natural here, he gave access to God to release the supernatural seed, which is Jesus Christ, which is the reason you and I are here today. At the time of giving it, Abraham could not see Jesus, did not even know Jesus, did not understand or have a concept of what that seed and releasing that seed can do. But every seed that we have has the potential in it of fulfilling God's promises. The question is, what will you do with your seed? This seed has the potential to feed this nation. Here, God's promises this seed can feed you. I want to show you something real quick. Don't be scared. So the Bible says, scatter your seed abroad. For after many days, you'll find it. Now, guys in the balcony, can you see that seed? Can you see that seed? No? Well, how about the guys that threw it to? Probably, not all of you. One or two people that caught it can see that seed. What if I hold one seed? Can you all see it here? No. Put it up there. But everyone can see the harvest. Everyone can see the harvest because the harvest is for all. But unless the seed is released, you will never know its potential. You will never know its potential. So God gives us opportunities. He puts seed on. He says, I've blessed you, Pastor Daniel. I've blessed you, Taz. Now I give you seed. Because I work with seed for the harvest. And in being faithful with the seed. (laughs) And I heard this this morning and I thought it was so powerful. In the the parable of uh, the miners. The parable of of the silver and gold that Jesus taught. Since the kingdom is like this. He says he gave one, two pieces of gold. And a master gave his servant two pieces of gold. When he came back, the master's the servant said to him, Lord, here's two more. I've worked it. I've used the seed. Here's two more. And his master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Now I will make you faithful over much or ruler over much 
in the process of us releasing our seed, God makes us faithful, rulers over much. God moves us from Abraham who's self-centered to Abraham who gives of himself as father of many nations. We cannot enter into the process of making until we've been faithful with the little. So Jabez asked God, he said, God, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Make me. When we release the seed, God makes us. Increases our influence. Increases our dominion. And the harvest is seen and experienced by all. Why? Because God blesses us to be a blessing. And when we get blessed just for ourselves, we become like the children of Israel and the Jews who kept it for themselves. We are ruled by disobedience. You know, even the Bible says of the word, it says the word, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. And he sowed seed. And he says, the, the seed is the word of God. The ground that it fell on is our hearts. The word of God is sown as seed in our hearts. Not as perishable seed, but imperishable seed. And from that seed, God can begin to work out a harvest. But unless the seed is sown, it remaineth alone, and there can never be a harvest. You see, the promise is accessed through the seed. Every promise starts in seed form. The seed has the potential for the manifestation of God's promises. Our obedience and proper response to the seed brings God's blessing or helps us maintain God's blessing. So here are three things that I want you to take away. First, God works with seed time and harvest. God's promises always begin with a seed in our hand. Second, the seed in our hand will be tested. It will be tested in terms of how do we respond to the proper use of that seed. Our obedience will open up the doors of blessing and keep it flowing. Third, you and I are blessed to be a blessing. So, whenever you hear it's offering time and silence reigns, it's because the battle is raging for the seed. You see, this seed has the potential of all God's promise. 
You see, God's not interested in your seed. There's no use for your seed. But your seed is useful to you. Because he says he gave it to you for food. He says, this seed opens the door for me to make you according to my promises. That's why even now, well, not even now, but whenever men in the Bible had encounters with God, they spoke God's language. Their response was to look for a seed. Because they understood that's how he works. And he says, never come into my presence without an offering. Never come into my presence without something that has potential to grow. Because I move from glory to glory. Never come into, a presence, into my presence without an expectation of and without a key of access into your natural circumstances. This is a key that opens up, that opens and allows God access into my natural circumstances with his supernatural power. So when we say in this season we're believing for deliverance, we're believing for breakthrough, we're believing for plunder, that there's a restoration of things lost in past seasons, and God would increase our territory, increase our influence from his... Our natural response is, we know the language you speak, Lord. I am coming with something that you can make grow. I'm not coming before you empty-handed. I'm coming knowing that you are the one that can change my name to be what you've called me to be. I'm coming with something that represents the promise that you can release. I'm not coming empty-handed. Because I know the very thing that you have promised me was planted in me as seed. And I'm aligning myself with the harvest that's to come. So this morning, I want to do two things. First, I want to receive this morning's offering and it being Tide Sunday. And whenever an offering is called for, why is it that we say it's easy to say that's not God? That's not God. Yet God's language is seed time and harvest time. Why is it that we say in these circumstances, ooh, God wouldn't call me to sow that. Check with Isaac. In a drought, he said, sow it. Because his seed released was the access point for God's supernatural power in his natural circumstances. We have many natural circumstances in our nation. Many natural circumstances that you and I face. This seed for me says, God, I'm trusting you. I'm coming to the God of Israel, the God of covenant. I'm coming on the basis of the covenant that we have. I'm coming with what I have to access what you have. I'm giving in faith. I'm laying who I am at the altar to access who you are for me. So we prepare our offerings. And that's why he says, do it gladly. 
Because it's, a, it's, it's trust. One, it's trust that God is faithful and his plans for you are good. And that he watches over his word to perform it. Two, it's trusting that God will do exceedingly beyond what you can ever imagine. Abraham never imagined Christ. But here we are today because of Christ and a man's willingness to release him. What are you holding back by keeping it in your pocket? What are you holding back? What are we holding back by trading our seed in seasons of fear? What are we holding back when we're deceived and put our seed in the wrong place? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.